We are in a series called uh, Keeping the Christ in Christians. And uh, kind of as I've mentioned the last couple weeks, um, uh, we have this thing, you know, keep Christ in Christmas. You know, and, 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 and again, if, you're, if that's, if that's kind of your lane, totally fine. I get it. I totally get it. Uh, if, if you get to a place and they're like happy holidays and you feel compelled to say Merry Christmas, I get it. I'm not putting you down or anything. That's not my lane, but that's okay. Um, but what my lane is and what I hope is your lane as well as, as that is that every place you go, Jesus goes. Every time you show up a party, maybe they say Merry Xmas or Happy Holidays or uh, Christmas is a sh pagan holiday or whatever it is they do. The good news is no matter what they do with Christmas or anything like that, Jesus still shows up every place you go. And that's the most important thing. And then when we celebrate Chris Christmas, what we're really celebrating is the birth of Jesus, which is becomes the Christ and then we become Christians which just means little Christ and that's what we are so everywhere we go you're here this morning if you're a follower of Jesus you brought Jesus you brought the presence of the Holy Spirit into this room and we thank you if you're new and maybe you're just saying look I, I'd like to try out church or I, I'm new to the Bible or I don't kind of believe everything yet that's perfectly okay. It's a safe place. You can belong here before you believe. Uh, and uh, being part of belonging is just being part of our community. Whether it's helping the kids like we talked about um, uh, next door that we're doing on Tuesday. Uh, there's going to be a Santa who's never been Santa before. And uh, that particular person has to be Santa over at Brookhurst Elementary School. So if you could pray for that Santa like on your knees pray. Um, you can start fasting now if you'd like. Anything to help that particular Santa out as he travels to Brookhurst Elementary as a uh, rookie Santa. Um, I am learning from the best though. Gary, who was doing announcements here, uh, really good announcements by the way, loved it. Um, then uh, you could, I'm, I'm, I, that person's trying to get help. So uh, pray, pray for them. But we are in this series called Keeping the Christ in Christians. And this morning, I want to uh, share with you a little bit, before we get into the scriptures, some facts. And here is an absolute fact. Every single person, either here in the sanctuary or watching me online, has an opinion about me. You all do. You have an opinion about me on a number of different levels. You have an opinion about me as a white middle-aged man. You have an opinion on, about me of what a pastor should be. Attractive. Check. Okay? I mean, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, right? A pastor's not supposed to be funny. He's supposed to be solemn and just read the Bible and everything serious and somber uncheck okay like you you have these expectations you have an expectation of what a pastor's children are supposed to be well behaved uncheck uh but all these all these different things you have an opinion about me you have an opinion when you came on especially if you're new if you're new you came out of your car and you immediately began just scanning trying to get a feel for what to expect this is your biology. This is physiology. You were wired to categorize and to come up with very fast opinions 
Because historically, as a human species, we had to be very quick on our opinions. None of that has left our biology. And so you see somebody who looks a certain way, acts a certain way, has a certain accent, whatever. You are formulating opinions. You have an opinion about me. Here's another fact. I have an opinion about you. <laughs> yeah, now it's turned, huh? Now how are your kids doing, right? Okay. No, I have an opinion about you. Of course I do. Well, I know almost all of you, but, but, and, and those of you online, I have an, a, an opinion a, a, about you. A matter of fact, you have an opinion about everybody you meet in the store. I have an opinion about everyone I meet in the store. I met a couple new people today. I had opinions about them, and you're thinking to myself, oh my gosh, he's so judgmental. No, I'm just operating within my biology. So are you. There's opinions. We have a culture of opinions now. Opinions we never would have been able to hear back in the day. This is why I think Jesus was so smart in coming when he came, when there was no screens that could go off wrong, mics that aren't turned on or whatever. Jesus was like, give me a hill, give me some people, let's go, okay, right? So, and that's how he'd preach. And so, you, we, we have these opinions. And in our culture today, we value, to some extent, everyone's opinion, collective opinion. If you go out to eat at a new place, um, uh, what do you check? Well, if you check the same thing I check, Yelp. You just go on Yelp. I honestly, I won't eat at a new restaurant unless it has four and a half stars. I, I'm just bougie like that. I don't know what it is. I just, I just like a lot of people's opinions saying it's, it's good, right? So we value that. Twitter, this year... <laughs> will post 182 billion opinions. It's 6,000 opinions a second. Can you believe that? Twitter and retweets and all, all these types of things of everybody's opinion. Some of you, maybe me too, everybody to some extent, is living their lives based on other people's opinions. Maybe you, your, your mom or your dad had an opinion about you. You were lazy. You weren't going to become anything. Or maybe you're super smart and you're going to be a scientist and you're trying to fit into that lane or reject that lane as much as you can. Some of us are trying to please a parent that's dead it's just so ingrained to us that we have to please, we have to please, we have to please. Maybe it's an ex-spouse or some other relationship you had or a group you grew up with or they had placed you in an identity. This person uh, just speaks their mind and you're like, I don't really like doing that anymore, but it's part of your identity and so you feel like you have to or you're a partier or you add whatever lane it is based on someone else's opinion. It's exhausting. Maybe, maybe you're single and, and you're thinking to yourself that somebody else might be thinking, why are they single right now? That, that's somehow lesser than. And so that just becomes a, a problem. Or maybe you're married and everyone keeps asking, when are you going to have kids? When do you have kids? When do you have kids? When do you have kids? And maybe you don't want to have kids, which is fine. But everybody's opinion is that you should have kids, or you should dress this way, or act this way, or do this thing. It's exhausting, and it's tragic in a lot of ways. 
where people have gone into different lanes that really they weren't designed to go in. I know people, because I'm a pastor, I know pastors who are pastors specifically because their dad and their granddad were pastors. My dad happened to be a pastor. That is not <laughs> why I'm a pastor, right? Matter of fact, just the opposite. I bucked against it because I was like, oh, and I mean, because he didn't pastor Living Spring, the best church in the world. So sad for him, great for me. But, but the, I, I, I talk to lots of young pastors and they will say, I, my parents have just, we've been, we're a free Methodist church. We've been free Methodists forever. And so you end up being a pastor because people's opinion, that is tragic. Don't do that, by the way. Please don't do that. But that's tragic and it's exhausting to be, to know everybody's opinion. And, and, and these opinions uh, apparently are valuable. Like, so in other words, when Twitter first came out, and uh, um, I was, remember watching the news or some news organization and they were slant. They don't do this anymore, but news organizations can slant one direction or another. Now they're very uh, non-biased, but it used to be back in the day that, that a certain news organization would be biased, and i um, glad we changed that. And so uh, they would put tweets up from people you have no idea what they were as though, like, that's a legitimate opinion. So it's like, you know, at wake and bake 420. When are we going to get this bozo out of office? And you're like, whoa, man, that must be a real big opinion out there. Notice I didn't say which bozo. Okay, so relax. And so, so we have all these things and all these opinions. And by the end of this year, we're going to have 182 billion opinions. And it's exhausting to keep up with them all. I want to share some really good news with you this morning. Nobody's opinion about you matters. There's one opinion, your spouse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you obviously know where I'm going with this, right? God's opinion. God's opinion. And God's opinion will have you do things that maybe other people's opinion would not have you do. God's opinion might have you not do something everybody's opinion would have you do. God's opinion might have you leave a relationship, start a relationship, keep the baby, whatever it is. God's opinion might be different than the opinion of those around you. God's opinion of you might be different than culture's opinion of you. God's opinion might not care what your paint job is. God's opinion might not care what your family history is. God's opinion of you is God's opinion of you. And it's the only opinion that matters. Here's the point I want to make for this morning. We're just going to start out with a point. God's aspirations for you often mean not meeting others' expectations. You just have to remember two words, aspirations, that comes from God, what he thinks you can accomplish, who he thinks you are, the, the life he has planned out for you, the decisions he has for you to make, which might be different than everyone else's opinions. You might have to give up something that isn't even a sin 
It's not even wrong. But God says, for you, we're not going to do it. And what's the first thought that comes to your mind? People are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to think. It's one other point I want to make this morning that hopefully will get ingrained to you as you see this idea that God's aspirations often mean not meeting others' expectations. You don't know what someone's thinking about you. It's impossible. So when you stand up, and oftentimes it's our insecurities that that drive us. You know, you might be short. You might be tall. You might be wider, thinner, whatever, whatever it is. And you walk into a place, and if that's your insecurity, if you're tall or quote unquote too short or too tall or whatever, and you walk in and everyone looks at you and you think, it's because I'm too tall. Meanwhile, you just have an ugly shirt on. Okay, I'm sorry. It's my opinion. No, I'm just joking. So, so like, that's the thing. And so, have you, have you ever made this mistake? I'm calling it a mistake. Oh, I, they were looking at me like. They were looking at you like. Like what? Like. I didn't know what I was talking about. They were looking at you like you didn't know what you were talking about? That sounds like you're insecure about what people think about what you're talking about for some reason. You can't know it. Here's another thing, just, and then we'll get back to, we'll get to the Bible, I promise. Many times, the things you were told about yourself were told to you by people who had their own issues with insecurity. Your parents telling you you're messy, you're messy, you're messy, you're messy. Why? Because they didn't want anyone to come over and think they were messy. So they just drilled it into you. Why aren't you a lawyer? Why aren't you a doctor? Why aren't you this? Why aren't you that? Why don't you go to college? Why don't you do this or that or that? Why? Because they're insecure because all their friends' kids went to college and did this and did that and all these different things. And then it's placed on you. And now you walk through life and go, they were looking at me like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Their opinion doesn't matter. Now, very quickly before we get going, I'm specifically talking about areas in your life that you know God is talking to you about. If someone comes up to you and says, you know, you're not a very nice person, and you go, I don't care what you think. Number one, you validated their opinion. Number two, it's probably good to hear some things about what people think about you. So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you just go through life with a gesture. I'm saying that you, you go through life and you parse out God. What would you have me do? How do you view me? God's aspirations often mean not meeting others' expectations. So let's get into the Bible and see where I get all this stuff. And we're in the uh, story of Jesus' birth because we're in Christmas. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, that's a biological term. I'm not going to get into all the details. He was found, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So just, just really quickly, some historical stuff. Uh, pledged to be married in this culture was essentially married. 
You didn't really decide. It's not like today where you'd go, nah, we were engaged for a while, but then I decided, um, you know, we didn't share the same hopes and dreams and whatever. It's not, it wasn't like that. This was a legal con. You didn't just get out of it. And to get out of it was um, a big deal. It was like getting a divorce. And to be pregnant while betrothed and not from that person you're betrothed to is punishable by death. So this is Mary's predicament. She's female, so she doesn't have a voice or much value. Right? She's been betrothed. She's young, probably poor, just everything against her, and she's pregnant, and it wasn't Joseph. And so that's where we find, found her. Now watch what happens. Because Joseph... Her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Anybody reading this, if you got the book of Matthew for the first time and you just started reading it, would go, this guy Joseph is actually a really cool dude. He understands the law, but also you get the sense that he loved Mary. And he's in this predicament. And this is incredibly incredibly embarrassing to Joseph that you would, as you would imagine, right? If you were engaged and all of a sudden the person you're engaged to is pregnant and now your people are going to ask like they always do, how's it going? When's the wedding? What's the thing? And you're like, you know, you know what? It, uh, it's not, uh, it's not going right. How are you going to, what are you, what are you going to say if you're Joseph? But he determines we have to follow the law but then I don't want her to have to bear this big thing of shame. I really like Joseph. I think of Joseph like, um, and we'll see why. I picture him like a farmer who's super matter of fact, like sits there and goes, yeah, rain destroyed all the crops. Uh, that's how I picture him. We'll see why. I'm not going crazy. But you know what? Even if you thought that, how would I know? Okay. And yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this. So in other words, he's going through life. He's been given a situation that he is completely out of his control. He's come up with a solution. Actually, a correct solution. A very kind solution. One that would do what he was supposed to do under the law. And not have a big effect on Mary. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Uh, again, Matthew is trying to remind the reader that Jesus comes from this line of David. Uh, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph has his idea. He goes to bed and he has a dream. And finally, the angel Uh, We don't know if it's Gabriel this time, but he gets it right. He starts out with, do not be afraid, okay? But he goes on to take Mary home as your wife. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. 
Now, I don't know when Joseph, I would have been good with just the visitation of the angel and I'd have been fine. But it's really sweet that the writer here reminds us that this was a prophecy that was going to happen. And I don't know if uh, Joseph remembers this or not. I would imagine that something would spark in his mind like, oh, that's right. This was a prophecy. And so now it's beginning to come uh, to fruition. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And he will call him Emmanuel. And the scriptures actually have this parenthetical statement. This isn't mine. This actually comes from the Bible. Uh, the author of Matthew is trying to remind us that this means God with us. Emmanuel, which is just with us, and El, which is short for Elohim, God with us. That's the prophecy. So there we are, and there Joseph is, with different information than anybody has except Mary at this point. What's he going to do? Well, when Joseph woke up, what's the first thing Joseph did? It says in the Bible, he Googled information on divorce attorneys. <laughs> he just, he was like, whoa, this is too much to take, you know, divorce, you know, and then he started getting like 75 ads a day. He Googled information. No, no, he didn't, he didn't do that. What he did was, when he, right when he woke up, is he posted a cryptic Facebook post on how you think you know someone until they disappoint you, right? And then all their friends wrote back, yeah, that's, that's terrible, man. You know, good for you. Way to be strong. Yeah, people are lame. All that. Thumbs up. Likes. I heart emoji. Good. Go get it. No, no, no. He didn't do that. They didn't have Facebook. He talked to all his friends to get a consensus. Hey, everybody, I just want to tell you what happened, man. I had this dream, and you know, I talked to Chuck, and I talked to Bob, and I talked to whatever generic name I'm making up off the top of my head, and, you know, and, and he wrestled with it for days, and he went over, and he thought, has this ever happened, and he went to his priest, and he did all these different things, and he wanted to get a consensus because he has to live this out in his life. And if you're going to live something out in your life, you want to get your friends on board. So Joseph went and got it. Now, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He texted Mary. You really thought I wouldn't find out? Angry face, angry face, angry face. Mind blown, mind blown. He's dead serious about this, Mary. Very strong text. Good for you. No, he posted a poll with SurveyMonkey on what he should do next. Because he wanted all of the internet to weigh in on his particular uh, thing. Okay, all right. Very funny, very funny. Of course, he didn't, uh, he didn't use Google. Okay, that's a satanic committee. <laughs> he would never use that. No, I'm just playing. No, what he did next is what I want to be top of mind for you this week. And top of mind for me this week as we move forward. And hopefully, hopefully, 
you'll remember aspirations and expectations. Those are the only two words you'll remember. And when you get to a place this week or next week or the week after, when you know that God has told you to do something, your first reaction will be like Joseph's reaction. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. He just went, okay, if that's what you want me to do. Can you imagine, no, seriously, can you imagine what your life would be like if you did not care what anyone thought? You say, well, I already think that. Well, you probably wouldn't have said it that way if you really did think that. Can you imagine what it would be like to just listen to the Holy Spirit and to go, yeah, I know, it seems crazy, doesn't it? Man, it's weird. People say, I think it's a bad idea. Mary, Mary, okay, Joseph, see, let me tell you how it goes down, Joseph. If it wasn't you, it was somebody else. We all know that. Follow the science, Joseph. Come on. And Joseph wakes up and he goes, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And for some of us, this might be our finances, in our area of finances, where it's like God says, hey, you know what? Other people, they can go on Amazon and get all the stuff they want. For you, now, no, this isn't the time. It might be a relationship. You're trying to get this relationship to work. You're trying to get it to work. You're trying to get it to work. You know you're incompatible. You know God, even from the very beginning, God was like, nah. And now it's time. To go, okay, I'm going to get up and the angel of the Lord had commanded. We could just change that. When Joseph woke up, he did what God asked him to do. God just sent the angel. The angel's just a messenger. It's just a direct message, right? He woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife Again, God's aspirations often mean not meeting others' expectations. Let me just add one other point. You have an opinion about yourself. We all do. We all think of ourselves in a certain way. And maybe you're narcissistic. Statistically, that probably isn't the case. There are very few of them. But maybe. But for the most part, you have an opinion about yourself that probably is less than the aspiration that God has for you. God would say, your opinion about yourself doesn't matter. My opinion about you matters. God's aspirations for you oftentimes mean not meeting your own expectations. You might be called out of a career path that's going really, really well, and that's your identity. And God says, hey, I know that that's your identity, you know, great, you're doing this, you're a teacher, you're a fireman, whatever, you're in business, you're doing whatever it is. And then God says, no, 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 we're going to do this now. And you say, my whole identity is wrapped up in this. And he says, no, I have bigger aspirations for you. So here's a really cool, I'm a, we'll hit some other sections of scripture real quick before we wrap up. But one of them is this in 1 Corinthians 2, 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? 
which makes, it's, it's very obvious, right? I mean, that's, a, that's an obvious statement. Like, who can, re- when I say I have an opinion about you, you could probably guess what my opinion is about you. I love you. And I, what can I do? I'm your pastor. I, I really do, right? But you don't know exactly what I'm thinking, right? Only I know that. This is all the Bible's saying, right? So you don't, you don't know what I really think. You don't know what that person who cut you off on the freeway really thinks. You think, oh, because I drive an old car, you can just cut in front of me. And they're thinking to themselves, I got to get to the hospital. <laughs> you know, and you're like, Arr. you know, that's what they're thinking. The Bible confirms that. Who knows a person saw it except the spirit within them? Now watch. It's so cool. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And here's what the Bible tells me. My God is very generous in telling me his thoughts about me. He's very generous. He doesn't hide them. There are thoughts you have about me that you'll never tell me. And please don't. I'm very fragile. <laughs> but there, there, are, there are thoughts you'll have about me you'll, ne- you'll never tell me. And I, quite, quite frankly, probably don't want to know. But every thought that God has about you or about me, we want to know those things because we know that he loves us. We know that he has our best interests in mind. And even when he tells us to do something like he did with Joseph, that's very, very difficult, is completely against culture, is completely against, uh, you know, like, like imagine, again, in this culture, being, we never talk about this, but Mary's dad and her, his little girl is pregnant. I, okay, so... I, He's probably upset. Everyone's probably freaking out. But God has other thoughts. And only the Spirit of God knows God's thoughts. And God is generous about sharing through that same Spirit what his thoughts are about you. Here's the other thing is you think about your own self or maybe you're thinking about somebody else and you're like, look, I know I have bad thoughts for that person, but... I know for a fact they're this bad. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In other words, what Jeremiah is trying to tell us is you're bad at thinking about yourself and you're bad about thinking about others. You're just not good at it as a human. I am not good. I might think I'm good. I might look on the news and be able to say, hmm, bad person, good person, bad person. But I'm bad at it. It's, it's desperately sick, my opinions, which come from my heart. Remember we talked about the words I speak? They come from my heart, right? I have the, all these opinions that I tweet or post or say. It's desperately sick. I'm just not good at it. Who can understand it? Psalm 94.11 says this, The Lord knows the thoughts of man. They're just a mere tweet. They're just nothing. They just go into the ether. And yet, his thoughts for us are rich and deep and look into the future and look into your past. Your heavenly father knows you way better than you know you. My heavenly father knows me way better than me. He knows all my insecurities. He knows all my triggers. 
He knows all the places where I've grown, and he's like, hey, I'm really proud of you. You've done this really well. I need you to get, my aspiration for you is to go to here, though, so we're just gonna keep working on it. Well, what if their opinion is desperately sick? (laughs) Don't worry about them. You worry about me. Finally, this last section of scripture, oh, no, I guess there's, I guess, oh, no, 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 I ended with, yeah, good. Oh, man, cool. Uh, well, it's just really good. It's about, you guys need to read your Bible, okay? There's so much good stuff in the Bible. Don't get scared of it. For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. Oh, praise Jesus for that, right? Nor are your ways my ways. Oh, well, now it's starting to hit home a little bit more, declares the Lord. Your thoughts are so lame that, (laughs) wow, (laughs) Mom? (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) For as the heavens are higher than the earth. In other words, God is going, oh, honey, you don't even understand how bad your thoughts are, how lame they are. Okay, I'll try to explain. You know the heavens, like you're trying to shoot rockets up there. You know, God bless Bezos. Good job. You'll make it to Mars. All that. As far as you can shoot a rocket... If you go even farther than that and farther than that and farther than that, as high as the heavens are from the earth, that's how far my thoughts are higher than yours. I'm just, God is basically saying, I'm just letting you know that. That's the best example your bad thoughts mind can comprehend. For the heavens, uh, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, my, thought, my uh, ways are higher than yours and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Whose opinion would you rather hear from? The person whose thoughts are just kind of like your thoughts? Or the one whose thoughts are as high as the heavens is from the earth? That's the person whose opinion I'm most concerned with. All right, as the worship band returns, I told you we had one more verse. This is how God sees you. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them? So there's two things the scriptures tell you about God's thoughts for you. One, they're precious. They are for your own good. And you might think when God tells you to do something, and I'll bet in a group this size, there are many, many people who God has told you to do something, and you're not doing it because you're afraid of what people might think. And there are some of you who are doing stuff you don't even want to do because of what people think. And God's thoughts for you are precious. And they're vast. He's thinking about you all the time. Could you imagine if Joseph was like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. What you're asking of me is too much. I don't know how God would have worked all that out with Jesus and everything. I'm sure he would have figured a way. His thoughts are higher than the heavens, right? He would have figured it out. But Joseph obeyed despite the vast amount of information and culture and everything else that would have him not obey. 
Now, my last question is this. We're going to end with one more song. And what we do during this time is we have you fill out your connection cards, or if you're on the app, you, this is the time when you say, I'm, I'm here, and what have you. Uh, but the other thing we do is we listen to God. And, and maybe God's only thought for you this morning is you're good enough. You're good enough. We're going to start there. You're good enough. And you're like, I don't know. I got a lot of people in my family who have a different opinion. They don't matter. Maybe you've been told you got to get rid of this thing. You got to get rid of this thing. You got to get rid of this thing. And you're like, it, it's a big part of my life. I don't, I don't know. And how am I going to explain to my friends or to my family or whatever? And God says, nah, it's time to go. And so when we sing this song and we fill out our connection cards, and again, if you give, now, now we don't pass a plate around, but if you prepare an offering, know this, that his thoughts towards you are precious, and they're vast, and they're for your own good. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for uh, the fact that you think about us. That you know who we are. You know us from our family of origin all the way to who we are now, all the way that who we are going to become, whether we're zero or a hundred. You know us. Lord, I pray that as we move into this week and we think about your aspirations for us, what we can achieve, what we can accomplish might look different than everyone else's expectations, but they are for our own good. So I pray that we would hear your voice and have the boldness to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his strength, in his wisdom, and in his boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.